who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and yep. his ice-cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to... I must break this podcast, the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're taking a look at one of Dolph's most recent efforts, The Best Man. In this film, Dolph plays Anders, a former special ops commando who's attending the wedding of his soldier buddy, Cal. Yet when the small wedding party is taken hostage by a band of vengeful mercenaries, Anders must team up with the groom and the best man to save the day. Welcome. I hope y'all had a pleasant journey in. Thanks for coming. Great to see you, brother. You and your wedding party will have the entire resort to yourselves. This weekend is about us. Make no mistake. This is a weekend that you and your guests will never forget. No Wi-Fi, no cell service. No one gets out. They're holding the guests hostage in the restaurant. What do you want? You're a wealthy man, and we want to know. What are your daughter's lives worth to you? We can help each other get through the hard times. Where are you going? Do my job. I'm going to kill everyone in here, and then I'm going to kill your daughter. You're going to head to the tree line. You're going to go get help. Let him go. You can kill me. Just let him go. So the fun begins. They're searching the rooms. Five seconds in each room. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. What are we going to do? Take this. I'm your host, Sean, and joining me once again, it's been a while, is my buddy Brenton Haysom from his website, All Out of Bubblegum. Brenton, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. I know we we've uh, shoot uh, been kicking around quite a few different titles, and um, this one I'll just let the listeners and everybody know right out of the gate. Um, I think I gave you the choice between either this or uh, the Rocky Four director's cut, and you actually chose this one instead. So, well, I guess it's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't want anybody thinking that like I'm I'm twisting people's arm and begging them to come on. I mean, obviously, I, I love having you on, but uh, yeah, so th- that was interesting. I remember um, we were debating between those two, and I think your response was you have 
you have an affinity for the uh, the kind of the diehard knockoff subgenre. Is that right? That's true. So anyway, so there you go. Um, well, yeah, no, how's it going? I, I feel like we can, uh, we, we could, I mean, it's been two years since I last had you on. Last time, um, you were on was for, uh, the Expendables 2. Um, obviously we can talk about it more at the end, but, uh, what is new? What's going on? Uh, it's just been upkeep, basically, keeping the site going, keeping, uh, track of action movies in general. Um, uh, not really doing uh, a ton in terms of personal projects um, outside of uh, real life, I guess. <laughs> well, we do have some. I mean, obviously, John Wick 4 has now been released on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Have you picked up your copy of that one? I have. Uh, and, and John Wick 4 was pretty crazy. It's a long it's a long movie, but it's just filled to the brim with action that's fairly creative. Although I think... Four is probably, I, I will say, I think it's probably time to end that series. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. And I know that by the box office, you know, I mean, hey, Hollywood is a uh, is a money hungry monster. They're already talking about a fifth one, yeah. which spo- spoiler things ended to where they really don't need another one. Um, I would be OK with some spinoffs, but I think they need to let Mr. Reeves go find his next franchise, his next his next project, but um, you know who knows if 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 a big enough payday is offered for him, then uh, I imagine he'll he'll be more than uh, more than happy to to revisit the uh, the character. Yeah, that's kind of the you know it's it's what's cool about Hollywood, and it's what's terrible about Hollywood is that you know sometimes there's there's more than enough of a good thing, and sometimes there's just too much. And honestly. You know, I, I've seen Extraction 2 lately, and I watched Sisu, and there's so much other stuff out there that I think maybe we should kind of let that style go for a little bit, what they're doing in John Wick. Um, yeah. Just give it a little a chance to let it just sit there in its original area, because yeah. there's just other, there's other stuff out there. Um. And, you know, and I liked, uh, what was that, um, Atomic Blonde. Uh, I liked that. And, and I, I want to see what else they can do. I mean, the guy's got a Highlander project that's been in the makes for forever. But, and I'd like to see that. But, uh, John Wick, uh, in that, that particular universe, I'm, I'm ready to let it go for me. You know, maybe, maybe in a few years we'll, I'll think differently. But right now I'm ready to let it go. Well, we are at this point, what, nine, almost 10 years removed from the last Expendables movie. And we have a new one that is going to be coming out here in the coming months. Um, I'll I'll get your thoughts. We'll save our thoughts for um, that one, because that one, of course, is reuniting Dolph with uh, Jason Statham and uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone. But we'll save that for the end. Um, We're here to talk today about um, one of Dolph, like I said, one of his most recent efforts, The Best Man. So this one is now uh, available on streaming. Obviously, you and I had to, we had to buy it. We saw that there was a deal where you could own it for four ninety nine. Yeah. Now I realize, I realize why it was, it was only four ninety nine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I imagine it's probably going to be popping up on Prime or Hulu or one of those services, probably here in the next month or two. Um, we should say about this film, I mean, there, there's, oh boy, there's a lot that we can say about this one. Um, first of all, it is not to be confused with any of the other dozen films called The Best Man. This is its own, <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> its own new vehicle, right? 
Yeah. I'll give it that. And th- there you go. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, look, I mean, that this film is, uh, is, is wedding themed. And so you and I, we always have a tradition where we have a respective beverage. Um, I know that you and I were talking earlier. You, you have a, a bottle of wine for the, yep. for the occasion for this one. Is that correct? What, what's the, yep. uh, what's the brand? Uh, it's just Brovia. Uh, I, okay. I had it at a restaurant and I was like, you know what? Wines, weddings, I'm going with it. So my drink is going to be here. I'm opening it now. Sorry. Uh, my drink, I'm drinking, um, not your father's root beer. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a spiked, um, heavy root beer, 5%, excuse me, 5.9% alcohol volume. It, it tastes just like root beer, but I feel like, you're drinking wine. You have the prestigious mature drink. And I'm, I'm pretty much that little kid at the wedding that has the, that's the root beer. You know what? Um, so. There's no judgments. There's no judgments. Although I will say I've actually had that and I loved it. It's good. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, well, if we look at this particular film, wow, this one, this is one, I don't want to say it flew under the radar, but I mean, this was a quick, quick production. Um, it's my yeah, understanding like that it. this was. Yeah, this this was filmed in about ten days. Um, from everything I've read online, I think uh, Dolph signed on maybe two, three weeks before it started shooting. And I mean, if you just look at it, if you look at the trailer, if you look at the uh, the, the the poster art or whatever for this film, I think one of the most interesting things about it is this film has the weirdest, most eclectic cast around and i think i don't know if you would agree with this or not but i think dolph is the one who he's kind of the right angle to the cast it's kind of like uh he's the one who really sticks out and you're kind of like why why are you here man so if we just run down the cast real quick we have luke wilson of all people he's stepping into the action genre apparently uh luke wilson plays the character cal he's the groom uh nikki whelan plays the character brooke she's the bride um i remember seeing her in a horror movie called um or not in a horror movie, sorry. I saw her in Hall Pass with, uh, uh, oddly enough, Owen Wilson, Luke's brother. Um, let's see, there's yeah. Brendan, Brendan Fair. He plays Brad, who's the best man to Cal. And then we have Dolph, who plays Anders. He's the, uh, the drunken best friend to these two guys. And apparently we're to believe that they're all this, uh, that, that, that these three guys are part of this like special ops unit, only we're never really told who this unit is sanctioned by or why they even exist or any of that. They're just army tough guys, apparently. Yeah, I guess they're, they're a, a rescue team. It seems to be what, what my understanding is when I'm watching the beginning of it. They, their deal is that they go and rescue kidnapped people. And I think that to be fair, or maybe it's coincidence. There is an interesting idea in that. The idea mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, like the bodyguard type situation where the guy, uh, rescues a girl and, and she sort of falls for him. Um, that's all off screen. So it doesn't actually right. happen <laughs> in the movie, but that, I think that that's an interesting take, but they don't, they don't really go that way. Well, and what's really weird is, I mean, <clears throat> this was one of my, one of my points in my notes is, I guess Brendan Fair is technically the lead. I mean, he's the titular best man. Um, he's oh, top build and everything, but his screen time is about on par with, uh, with Luke Wilson. There's really not a central character in this film. Um, 
with regard to Brendan Fair, I mean, I guess he was on a CW show back in the early 2000s called Roswell. I never saw it, but I did see him in a little horror movie that he did back, oddly enough, in that. Do you remember that period in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s when all these horror movies were casting actors and actresses from, uh, from like, the CW and UPN and whatnot? Yeah. Um, but he was in a movie called The Forsaken, which is like a vampire movie. And he was like the surly vampire hunter. But that is the only thing I've ever seen that dude in. So I am aware that he's been in other things that I've seen. But I was not... Um, I don't remember him in those. The one uh-huh. thing I... So this last Christmas, I watched a, a kind of a crappy little horror movie, Christmas-themed horror movie called Silent Night. And that's what I knew him from. It's the only thing I've seen him in. And I don't even know when that was from, but it's literally the only thing I've seen that guy in before (laughs) that I I remembered. And then uh, rounding out the cast is another, um, I guess you can say she's kind of a genre favorite. Um, Her name is uh, Scout Taylor Compton. She plays the, uh, she plays the maid of honor and sister to Brooke. I mean, that's a reunion really. Uh, Her and Nikki Whalen were both in one of the, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. So was Nikki Whalen in one of those? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, she was. I I don't remember if she was the first one, but she was definitely in the second one. Oh, interesting. Well, I know that. Like, I see videos all the time popping up with uh, Scout Taylor Compton. She's like real big on the horror convention circuit. She's always yeah. going to those and showing up at those. And I guess she she has her fan base. Well, she stepped into the shoes of Jamie Lee Curtis for the Halloween mm-hmm. movies. Uh, okay. So that's it's going to grant you fandom. But beyond that, I know that she was in a lot of TV shows and and such back when I was younger, but I was not really into any of those shows, so I don't know her beyond the Halloween films. Yeah. Well, before we really um pick apart this film because I mean like let's be honest, okay? This this film is not it's it's not a a high watermark on the um CV of Mr. Lundgren or um Luke Wilson for that matter, but I think the thing that we need to point out um and I've I've discussed this on previous episodes, okay? But the state of independent um action genre that we that, that we see these days is Man, it's really hurting. And yeah. I mean, this, these, these are the type of films that we're getting. I read a book actually, um, that I thought I, that I thought I'd mentioned. It was actually, it, it's, it's weird <laughs> to mention this, but it was very insightful, but it's, um, it's the making of the movie Leprechaun. Okay. okay. And so, uh, say what you will about the Leprechaun movies. They're, they are terrible and everything like that. But the, the writer of the book who he, he goes into detail on, you know, these particular films. And I think, I think we can agree that it is it is very hard to get a movie made. I mean, it, oh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle to get a film made from the script phase to filming to post-production and then to release. I mean, so that's one thing that we do have to kind of give, I think, any of these films um, a pat on the back for is just just getting out there and getting seen. Okay. And so... In this book, the uh, the writer talks about you know the the state of making these type of movies, these very low budget movies, and basically, if you think about it, okay, you have a two to three million dollar budget because all these films nowadays that Dolph is kind of occupying, no way are they made for more than two to three million or so. Okay, yeah. so you have a two to three million dollar budget, and you have your name stars and their salaries to accommodate. 
So that right there is eating up. I mean, at this point, it becomes simple mathematics, okay? But suddenly you have these stars. Well, their salaries and all of their demands and everything like that, well, that's eating up a good chunk of the budget. Then you also have so many other expenses that the general public doesn't know about, okay? You have multiple sets. Okay, multiple sets mean more money, hence why these films are barely working with one set. And then you also have to take care of the crew. You have to have uh, catering. You have to provide hotels, Airbnbs, et cetera. And so when you consider all these things and well again i don't think we're going to be saying really anything positive about these films i think we can agree that man when you look at all those little factors that i don't think get um that uh get considered i mean it's 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 pretty amazing to uh that 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 a film like the best man even saw the light of day well that's fair i think uh i mean you know Overall quality notwithstanding, it is impressive that they were, one, able to even get this giant cast they have, you know, and, yeah. and what an odd pairing that is, Luke Wilson and Dolph Lundgren. Uh, well, you uh, wonder, yeah. like, how did these guys become buddies? Like, how in the hell did that <laughs> Yeah, well, the, there's an age gap that makes it strange enough, but yeah. just in terms of their you know, their, their appearance, their physicality, it's, it is different. So yeah, you do wonder that when you're watching it, but the, you know, there's, I think that the basic idea of this movie, the premise is good enough to warrant a movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you can make a story out of it. Uh, Jennifer Lopez just did one. It's, it's very similar. It's shock entertaining. Yeah, it's not. Did you watch that? I, I haven't seen I it did. yet. I thought about watching it. I thought about watching it in preparation for this, and then I just never got around to it. How is that one compared to this? Uh, it's it's well, it's a lot better. It's it's okay. a lot more fun. They they but they have a, you know, I don't know. Let's say thirty times the budget. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you can tell, but it's it's not. And and they they lean into the humor of it because you know so much of weddings is, you know, who's there, the in-laws, the, you know, the just there's so much going on, the preparation of weddings, and they really lean into that there. Whereas this is, um, we have 10 minutes to shoot this scene. You better hurry up. Like, it, that's what it feels like anyways. Yeah. We've got the, we're, we're in a remote location. We have you know, X amount of days to get this, get through this. And they do, you know, champ their way through it, but it's not on the, it, this feels like they filmed a first draft of a script. Like there's no yeah. ideas presented in this movie. Not really. There's well, you, certain things, but it doesn't really delve into the ideas that they, they want to discuss. They just decide to make an action movie, but then, find out they don't have what it takes to make a big action movie and just kind of, I don't know, trip over their way uh, on the way towards the finish line. Well, you said something a couple years ago that I've been quoting on the show um, a couple times. And, and I, I feel bad because I feel like I've repeated myself and said the same point multiple times, but it's, it seems like these films nowadays are mercenary jobs. Okay. Yeah. I remember you said that and it's, it's so abundant clear okay and again i can't blame you can't blame really the actors you certainly can't blame the director or anything like that because again they only i mean they, they're basically working with pennies 
Okay, they yeah. don't have much at all. They have this one set that is available for two weeks, if you will. And so they're just like, get it in the can. So I don't think there's a heck of a lot of quality control that goes on with these particular films. I mean, if you look, if you look at the beginning of this film, I think it's very, very telling. All of these, all of those Bruce Willis films, which thankfully um, we don't seem to, we're not getting any more of those anymore, but all of those Bruce Willis films did the same thing where if you watch these films, it's like, and this one, and this one is very guilty of it. At the very beginning, there's like six production logos oh, that yeah. pops up at the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. And it just proves that anyone who can raise a few thousand bucks can get their own logo at the beginning of one of these films. I'd be willing to bet, Brenton, that if you and I had deep enough pockets and you and I were able to pull together twenty five, thirty thousand, and we could give it to this production, you and I could then go on Canva and make a pretty sick logo and get it in front of one of these movies. <laughs> Uh, I think you're exactly right, because uh, I guarantee you that's how most of this is made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know when I when I looked through the cast, because I was trying to figure out who some of these people were, I just never heard of most of them. <clears throat> uh, I realized that a good deal of the cast are also producers. Mm-hmm. So I I'm guessing they have a lot to do with it. They probably put up some of their own money, and there's probably a little bit of a tax write-off situation going on. Yep. But yeah, it's it's just abundantly clear this is you know this is a dime store movie. This is made for nothing. You do have to wonder though. I don't know where you feel about this. I mean, because sometimes you will have a you will have a good one, or excuse me, sometimes you will have a passable one. That will kind of sleep through. Or they'll kind of you know sneak through. Did you see Section yeah. Eight? I'm curious. Did you watch that one? I, I haven't watched that. Okay. The last so one Section I watched of his um, before that was Castle Falls. But go on. Okay. Yeah. Well, Castle Falls. He was directing that one, so I'd like to think yeah. that you know Dolph. You know, I mean, that's a whole other story. But I mean, if you look at Section Eight, Section Eight is not amazing. But I used the term. It's basically it's frozen pizza. Okay, it's it's passable. It'll do the job. It's you know, it, but it's not going to really turn anyone's heads. But then if you look at these films, okay, like The Best Man or like any of those Bruce Willis films that were made or many of those Nicolas Cage films that were made, you do have to wonder at a certain point, like, okay, these films are so low budget, so dime store. I like that term that you use. They're so dime store. They're so anticlimactic that you have to wonder, like the bottom's going to fall out eventually to where they're not going to see much value in these anymore. Right. Like you have to watch it. And it's like, at first I was wondering to myself, like, okay, who, who are the, who are these movies for? Who is the best man for? And I'm thinking, well, it's for me, obviously, because, because I, I was, I was that, uh, I, I, I took the bait. I saw that there was Dolph in it and I, and I watched it, but you have to wonder, like at a certain point, fans are going to be onto it and they're not going to want to tune into these things. And, I would, don't you wonder, like, the bottom's eventually gonna fall out of these films to where we may not even see them anymore, right? So I, I thought that 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there were so many of these movies that were, that were, you know, they were just not good, you know, and Dolph was in several of them. And I thought, for sure, this can't last. But again, okay. you know, to point it out, here I am two decades later still <laughs> watching these things. So I don't know. I don't know because it's, it's, there's nobody out there telling you that, uh, 
go watch Castle Falls instead of the best man. The best man's not worth it. And that kind of thing. Nobody's saying that. Um, except, you know, you and I are going to say that, but there's nobody out there that's quality control telling people what, which of these movies is good, which is bad. And, you know, they're an hour and a half long. So before you're, you know, a half hour into the movie, you probably know whether or not it's one of those movies, but you don't always. So you're just like, there's just content. There's so much of it that it's, I don't know. And there's always going to be people that rented it. They got their money already once you rented it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the bottom's going to fall out. I think that this is a, a forever situation. And a lot of these yeah. guys, uh, you know, Dolph Lundgren, Van Damme, Steven Seagal, this is, this is sort of where they end up. I mean, it's paying their bills. <laughs> yeah. Although no, it really I, is. No, you're right. Seagal, I guess, hasn't really made anything in a few years, so maybe he's done. I don't know. Uh, well, and I've, I've said this on the, well, and I've said this on the show multiple times, but um, Van Dam. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he he basically stepped in a semi retirement. I think he's at a place where he really doesn't need to work, and I'd like to think he kind of sees the writing on the wall and he he views these productions as maybe being a bit beneath him. And to be perfectly honest, you really can't blame him. In a lot of yeah. ways, you know what I mean? That's no, true. It's true. <laughs> well, if we look at this film, I, I wanted to get your take on it. Okay, well, we'll get through this as pain, painlessly as possible, Brenton. I promise. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you probably have a timer. Sean, I have an hour, and that is nah. it. We, <laughs> I, I got my wine. We, we, you take your time. Well, if we look at um, if we look at the opening of this film, I mean, it's it's what you're getting with for the next 90 minutes is – very much abundantly clear in the opening five minutes. Okay. The film opens with a small team of commandos. They're rescuing this hostage. The hostage is Nikki Whelan. Okay. Um, There's this team of commandos. Okay. The team of commandos, like we said earlier, it's Luke Wilson, Brendan Fair, um, Dolph Lundgren. um, And then their other um, associate, his name is uh, Scott, or excuse me, the actor's name is Scott Martin, but he plays a character named Axel. But there are so many questions in this opening scene that the film never answers for one. Okay. I guess they're a rescue team, but I don't know who they're sanctioned by. We're never told why she was taken hostage. We're never told who these kidnappers are. We're never told where it was that she was being held captive. None of that. The film doesn't take any, unless I missed something, but the film doesn't answer. And I would think these are pretty simple questions that should be answered. Right? <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, so that opening, it's, it's sort of perplexing because it kind of opens with a POV and it's of her rescuers. And so you're going, Oh, is it a, like who, who, who am I watching here? And until they speak and tell her what they're doing, they literally tell her, I think uh, we're rescuing you or something, some such thing. But until they do, you're like, Oh, are they, are these the, the, the kidnappers? Are we watching like in a, a night vision? They're keeping her in the dark. And so then, okay, now, but we're still, it's just disorienting. So a good filmmaker would use that and say, um, maybe use it from her POV. She doesn't know what's going on. They're rescuing her. She doesn't really know what's going on. Again, like I said, they, they would go through pretty much that same opening and then you would delve into the relationship between her and the guy or better yet, the relationship between the guy and the best man, since that's the name of the movie. Yeah. 
But we don't really know. We don't know who these characters are. We don't really learn anything about them, even the rest of the movie. So you're just kind of, it's just this happens and then this happens. That's the entire movie. So, but yeah, that's, and that opening really establishes this because you're, you're just following these people and, and it's kind of shoddily edited. So every once in a while, they'll just introduce a new character. There's Dolph Lundgren lumbering behind them. Uh, he's part of them. Um, and he is really lumbering, of, isn't he? He really Sorry is. Sorry to interrupt, but he is. But I mean, that's his, before even his they helmets. shoot him. Oh, that's before they shoot him. But even like, if you notice, if you yeah. look closely, sorry to cut you off, but even like his helmet isn't on right. Like it's kind of crooked and you're like, guys, <laughs> guys, what are we doing? Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it. The thing it really establishes is, oh, this is a low budget. That's what it, you, you see the, the kind of, um, I don't know. There must be an effects, like a Photoshop plugin. That's just mm-hmm. bullet wounds because that's what they're using. Yeah, they're not. You know, there's no there's no squib work here. I'm guessing that the the shootout is probably in the basement of the building they shoot the rest of the film in, and the row that the credits play over is probably to or from this same location. Well, I mean, yeah, and they okay. So these and real quick going back to that, going back to the 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 weak storytelling, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's conversations later on in the film. Like for example, when um, the, uh, when the bride's father is having a drink with, with Dolph, he's telling him, Hey, thank you for rescuing my daughter. I really appreciate it. And you think at that moment, you know, that would be a great moment for a little bit of exposition. You know, I'm so rich that some of my um, former business competitors wanted to, or something like that. None of that. We get nothing. So I guess we're just, once again, we're left in the lurch. Like, okay, I guess it was bad guys who kidnapped her, but we have no idea why or where she was hidden or, or any of that. what happened to it, them. Or what happened to them. And then we're told it's off screen, apparently, that uh, in the interim between this rescue mission and the present, suddenly, inexplicably, Cal and Brooks, this is Luke Wilson and... um uh, the Nikki Whelan character, they've fallen in love and getting and are getting married. And so it's like, wow, that's, that's a lot of stuff that, that, that they just gloss over within barely 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, the, again, they, they do that and it would be kind of okay if what they did for the next couple of minutes was show him going around to his old team and basically recruiting them to be in his wedding, you know, establish some mm-hmm. kind of character, something with these other people, because we know nothing about them. We only get a little bit with the best man and then bam, we're at this location and we're more or less introduced to these, these folks that we don't know. Um, and they just kind of tell us, Oh yeah, we're, you know, we're, I'm getting married to this blonde lady who was the one we rescued at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's quite sloppy. I don't want to say jarring. It really is. But it's just, it's just kind of sloppy. Well, and I mean, again, looking at the story, anyone who's ever seen a a movie before knows. Okay, so on this um, opening mission, um, they do lose um, a member of their team. So the character uh, named Axel. Okay, uh, he is shot and killed. At least so we think. And the team just drives off, not bothering to check on him, but they just leave him for dead, assuming 
that he's dead. Yeah. And, you, and you're kind of like, gee, I wonder if that's going to come back at any point in the film. Well, they they lose a couple guys because I remember him yelling out, like, Zeke or something. So there was another guy there. And, again, that, that could have been a little uh, pathos or something for for the villain. Give him something. Oh, well, you know, Zeke was my man and just something. But they really just don't. Um, and there's so many missed opportunities to, if they're not going to go comedic with it, like Shotgun Wedding did, um, tell a dramatic story here about about brotherhood and, uh, you know, something. But it's very weird. Uh, I'm guessing they just had no time. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, if so, if we look at the as we progress through the film, yeah. So Cal, he asks Brad to be his best man. Um, we find out that Dolph's character, Anders, has also been invited to the wedding, though, as seen in his few scenes, he is now a uh, drunk. Um, he, he's now just a complete um, drunk. Here, here was one of my biggest issues with the film that I just went gonzo laughing about. Okay, this just it. This cracked me up to no end, okay? So, okay, because this is of a low budget, it is, of course, working with a single set and limited resources. I get that. We've seen this before. I get that. And so, obviously, the film didn't want to spring for hundreds of extras. So, we are to believe that this entire fancy hotel, because we get a couple exterior shots of this, um, just this palatial Vegas hotel. I mean, this place mm-hmm. is majestic. Okay. We're to believe that it has been rented out by Brooke's wealthy father. Br- Brenton, have you ever heard of an entire hotel being rented out? That was to me, I was like, what? <laughs> like, It's one of those things you only hear about in movies. Yeah. I don't think I've, uh, even though, you know, there are places up where I live that, look like this uh i've never heard of a one party renting out the entire venue uh, but i guess it gives him an excuse to do the die hard thing so yeah i guess you do what you gotta do i've watched enough of these uh the die hard rips to know that yeah you just gotta do it um you gotta you gotta find an excuse uh, there was a movie back in the 80s where they they say that the mall is under renovation, and so now that's diehard in a mall. Right. So that you know, they, they've they've just got to do this <laughs> in order to make it work. Well, Castle Falls. I mean, there's a great example. Castle yeah, Falls. Yeah. Okay, it is a hospital that is getting ready to be demolished. Okay, um, and I, I think that's that's how they kind of skirted around that. Was okay. It's this abandoned hospital. It's going to be blown up here in the coming day. Okay, so even that makes sense. And so I don't understand. They could have said, okay, this hotel is going to be torn down in two days. We, you know, her her wealthy dad paid a lot of money to um, have one final wedding there. Even something like that would have worked. But again, I was laughing so hard. There's a couple lines. I wrote these lines down, Brenton, because I thought you would get a kick out of them too. So to kind of explain the lack of guests at the hotel and just the lack of people, in this movie, okay, the concierge, when he's given the mature, he gets a couple lines that I just, like I said, I was busting up laughing. He says, the rest of the hotel guests are checking out, so you and your wedding party will have the entire resort to yourselves for the entire weekend. And it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. And then he says, <laughs> he says, I wrote down two others. Um, when uh, When Scout Taylor Compton asks him about cell service, he says, 
You'll find that a few days out here is like taking a walk back in time. That's why presidents and other dignitaries from around the world not only enjoy our seclusion and accommodations, but also come back for repeat visits. So what that line has given us is, uh, is oh, if you're wondering why none of these people are able to call for help or dial 911, apparently we're to believe, okay, a president of the United States is going to be able to stay there without cell service? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. that That is the line that uh, I think I remembered most from the movie. Uh-huh. Is when they just they go, oh, here's how we're getting around the cell phone issue. Yeah, <laughs> which is always fun. Uh, that I I I actually appreciate when they just bring it up, but it is incredibly clunky. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, th- there's even a casino. Okay, yeah. now if you know if you know anything about Vegas, you know that I mean the casinos. That is the engine. That is the lifeline. That is the blood that pumps. Okay, the entire state of Nevada. So I just find it hard to believe that, yeah, you can rent out an entire casino to where no one else is going to be there. Because, again, that same concierge, he says, and again, the entire casino is going to be completely empty and only available to you and your guests later today throughout the weekend. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that's what a casino would really want. (laughs) Yeah. They'd be like, by the way, there's no money. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, again, it's kind of on one hand, it's kind of charming, but and I guess you could argue, okay, that the concierge planned it this way because spoiler, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get in trouble for spoiling this, but spoiler, um, the concierge is actually in cahoots with the leader of the mercenary gang. Yeah. So you you could say that perhaps it was arranged this way, maybe, but I don't think the 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 production and the story was thinking that far out. No, because. When you even think about the villain, his plan, it makes no sense. How does he know what he knows? How does he know, you know, this billionaire and this billionaire only only knows three people. So only three people will come to his daughter's wedding, one of which is his own, his other daughter. It's just, uh, you know, it's all silliness. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's an excellent segue. Yeah. Speaking of silliness, there are some intentional stabs at silly comedy that I just think are, I mean, I didn't really find them that funny. So first of all, before we get to those, uh, one of Dolph's few scenes in the film is where he's sitting at a bar and he's reunited with Luke Wilson. We get a little bit of exposition if they, if you want to call it that, where Cal thanks Anders for being there at the wedding and, then Anders is okay. This is Dolph's character. He states that uh, he drinks to make the pain go away. But then we also see him later. He's taken over on the piano at the rehearsal dinner, and the film kind of hints that his character is becoming flirtatious with this uh, tattooed pianist. Who yeah. I don't I don't know what her relationship is to the wedding party. The film never wants to say that either. Thanks for coming. I mean it. And kind of a long, hard road, hadn't it, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, remember, remember that time in Afghanistan we got cut into that bottle of confiscated grappa? I thought my teeth were going to fall out <laughs> from that stuff. Well, you became a man that day. <laughs> I, th- I think I'd earned my stripes well before that night. 
stuck in the sand, drunk. This impossible situation. Next morning, we did what we had to do. Yeah. That I wouldn't mind forgetting. Yeah. That's why I drink to pass out. Helps me to forget, I guess. Well, it's just weird. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things, too. You know, I, I watched this with my wife, and she's just kind of rolling her eyes at him, kissing on her and stuff. And it's like, oh, my God. He's like, you know, 60-something. How old is this pianist? <laughs> it's just weird at this point. Yeah. It's, like, what are we doing? Is this in the I know. movie? <laughs> Why is this in here? I mean, because exactly, it's like, okay, this is supposed to be an action movie, and it's taken way too long for there to be any action. We get some, uh, so the wedding starts, right? Um, Brooke's dad is noticeably drunk. That was their setup when Dolph's chilling out, you know, as the you brought up earlier, when he has the little drinking with uh, with Dolph. That they, they set that up where Dolph's just drinking some hard stuff, and he starts drinking it with the the bride's father, and that guy when he gets to the wedding, he is just smashed. And actually, fairly realistically, to the point where I'm I started wondering if they wrote the movie around that. <laughs> well, they're playing it like it's a joke, though, and I don't know about you, but I don't I can't think of any bride who would be laughing and giggling at them having to hold their dad up as they're being walked down the aisle. No. I would think they would be livid, but Nikki Whelan is just playing it like, oh, there's dad being silly again. And so it's kind of like, what, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you, I, I didn't know what to feel during that scene. Partly is the movie is, uh, is shot in a fairly bland manner, but yeah, the, just the, the content of what I was watching was a guy uh, red nosed um, stumbling down the stairs and you know, best man and, and Nikki have to help him down the stairs. And he is just off his face drunk. Uh, I, I was like, am I supposed to be horrified or am I like people are <laughs> giggling and even, you know, I don't know. It was, it was weird. That's, it's part of the odd, it's almost a charm, honestly, because that scene is so strange. And, and they make a point of showing it as well as Dolph coming in, um, cause Dolph had been drinking with him, you know, cause he's, he's, I think at that point, was he, like, he's he was lit up too. with he's the pianist. Pretty... Yeah. Yeah. And he gets up and he is, you know, I, that's their excuse for him lumbering over, I think. And then he sits down and he's like rubbing his eyes and stuff. I'm like, okay, he's he's messed up too. <laughs> it's like okay. Well, and then and then okay to add further um, hilarity to the events. Again, I can't imagine any bride or groom laughing at this. But uh, so Brad, the best man, is to give Cal the wedding ring, but he has trouble finding it because he was getting frisky with the maid of honor. This that's the scout oh, character. Right, right, character. Right at the hotel uh, pool Pool. the night before. And so we're to believe that they're just going to stop the ceremony and he's going to run back to his hotel room, tear the place apart to get the wedding ring. I mean, what they're doing is, I mean, if you've ever, anyone who's ever seen Die Hard or a Die Hard knockoff, what they, what they're doing is okay. They need to get the main hero alone to where he's not taken hostage with the rest of, 
um, with the yeah. rest of the party. So I get why they're doing that, but it's just like, okay, guys, like we're <laughs> we're to believe this this is going to happen. I mean, m- maybe this, maybe Cal and Brooke should not even get married because, in my opinion, there are so many like red flags and warning signs to that establish that this relationship is doomed. You know what I mean? You, well, yeah. How, how, at a certain point, where how are you not taking this as an omen? but i guess that Um, but again things that if we would establish their relationship they'd say no 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 we started this under dire circumstances you know in the back of a rescue van and now this is us we accept how fate keeps throwing things our way that they should have established that kind of thing that relationship, yeah. that dynamic, but they didn't. So we're just going, Oh my God, this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> so some masked mercenaries, okay. Take control of the wedding. Um, they take everybody hostage, especially Brooke's dad. Um, I guess they're hoping that uh, he's going to give them access to his bank accounts. Um, uh, th- this mission is also personal because, okay, spoiler, um, I, we, we knew, knew that it would be coming, be coming back here. Um, the team of terrorists is led by Axel, who is the former team member of Cal's, uh, unspecified special ops unit. I, you mentioned it earlier, so I'll go back to a point that you made already. What exactly is their, is their goal here revenge against Cal or is their goal to, rob this guy of a ton of money, which it also begs the question too, like, okay, was Axel behind the kidnapping of Brooke at the beginning, I guess. And because that mission failed, he's trying to kickstart it again. Is that what they're doing? I have no idea. Well, yeah. So you're, you're already head cannoning a, a, a better idea. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause it makes no sense in the movie. Um, but again, that, you know, that's, that's one of the things there's all these, it's like a first draft because there's all these cool ideas that you could bounce off. But does his team know that he's actually here for revenge? We don't know. I, I assume that he, they were lured in for the money of it. They're capturing a billionaire and, ra- and going to ransom him. That's a fine idea, but obviously the guy heading, heading this operation He's uh, he wants revenge on his former unit that abandoned him, and presumably got their other guy killed and left him that body there cold as well. Cool idea, but they 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 yeah. don't really go into it. You're just like, oh, I guess they just left him there. This seems like the original script might have been more of a international adventure. They might have been in the army or something, mm-hmm. and this was a uh, operation in in the Middle East or something, you know, some war zone. And because it makes more sense that way, now I'm I'm going. Where was this guy abandoned? Was he, you know, was he in, <laughs> you know, New Mexico or something? Like, how far did he have to go for help? What, what, what is his deal? He's really hung up on this. He didn't even attempt to contact them. He's just mad immediately. Maybe that's part of it. You know, it was that uh, Tomorrow Never Dies with uh, James Bond where the villain has the bullet in his head and this guy's been shot in the head. And so that guy has a uh, some reason for his mania. But this is just a guy. He's just got a little scar in his head. And we just don't know. We just don't know anything about them, what their relationship was, what it is now. 
is he for revenge or is he for the money? It's kind of just perplexing. No, yeah. I mean, again, they're not going to answer if they're if they're, if this film is not going to answer the simple question of who this special ops unit okay is is sanctioned by or anything like that, then they're not going to go forward and answer any of those other questions. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what's frustrating. And what what ensues, I mean, that's the other thing too is if you've seen enough of these low budget actioneers of the past 10 years, what's really wild is they all start to kind of feel the same. You start to see and you start to recognize the same setups. Okay. You start to recognize and see the same, the same locales and the same types of shootouts. Okay. Because what ensues from this point here, okay. The action, if you want to call it that, I put that in quotes. All it is, is just a number of chases. Okay, the rest of the movie is basically just a number of chases through uh, various hallways and corridors of the hotel. I mean, we'll, we'll see the bad guys every time we see the uh, the villains, Axel's team. They're always just on walkie-talkies radioing back to one another, making sure that they're on schedule. Okay, it seems like that's always what you, what you see. Um, every time we see Luke Wilson's character, Cal, he's just running down one hallway to the next going into his hotel room. Uh, Brendan Fair's Brad character, he gets a machine gun from one of the attackers. So his scenes are just him strutting the hallways with his firearm. He also has Brooke's annoying sister at his side, and all she does is cry. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> Dolph's Anders' character, he's he's pretty much, he's given the most short shrift in this entire thing because he gets two scenes with some of his attackers, one where he's able to steal the attacker's suit and mask, but that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, they establish it. It's this huge hotel, right, in the mountains, but then we never see any of that. It does absolutely nothing with, with any of that. We just see a few hallways that are redressed a few times. Well, that, that's exactly it. This is the kind of movie that either needs you to do something fun with its premise, which I think that this has a good premise, or you need to do something really interesting with the action. And they really do neither. And so it just feels weirdly rote to the point where I just keep saying, this is like a first draft that somehow just got made. They just went, yeah, that's good. Let's do it. And I just don't understand the concept of somebody spending millions of dollars on something so basic as this yeah that is weird to me you know and and in terms of Dolph Lundgren we've gone from you know showdown little Tokyo that ends with a kind of homage to Chinatown with the crane shot coming up and everything to this fade out uh, I guess we're done now at the end of this you know and when they did nothing nothing to earn anything. And I, yeah. it was so weird watching this movie because I just kept throwing my hands up. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Well, just I mean, like, and why over and over and over? Just why? <laughs> well, and what's, I don't know if this stood out to you jarringly, like it did me, but okay. What really frustrated me and something else that frustrated me, I guess is Cal and his team of commandos suck. Like I'm just I much like they like they they get their ass kicked more 
then they save the day in this movie. I mean, Brendan Fair, his character just gets beat up. He gets knocked off like the second floor of of, of his hotel balcony or whatever. Dolph, he gets beat up in in one scene. Um, uh, Luke Wilson's character, he doesn't really do much other than we, there's a couple scenes of him just running down a hallway into his room. But it's kind of like, wow, like these guys were uh, apparently a part of some unit and like how many years have passed because they are not effective at all. Like, well, according to the beginning of the movie, only one year has passed, which just, oh, one year know, has just passed. Makes, yeah. They just make it weirder, but yeah, it, it, you know, and I, I, I almost appreciate the concept of, of the team struggling. Do you, you remember the, the diehard ripoff uh, executive decision? There's a oh, lot yeah, of dialogue yeah, of that, uh, John Leguizamo says, where he's talking, they're like, oh, can we just burst in and take them all out? And John Leguizamo's like, I can take out two guys, maybe three, before they get me. Yeah, and I loved that. I was like, that's just realistic. Mm-hmm. Where the idea that, okay, they understand that, you know, in real life, you can't just, you know, take out a full squad of guys. It's just impossible. I like that. And this. Uh, yeah, the guy's messing with them, but they're playing it like it's Die Hard. You know, when Axel shoots the the their the inside their inside man, which is a very puzzling scene. But he's he's monologuing. He's eating the food that the the sous chefs were making, and he's monologuing. And this is a it's like so B movie, and so I'm like, okay, they're not really going for realistic. But I, I just, I, you know, I didn't understand why they didn't just uh, pick one or the other and go with it. Well, it's weird because you almost, you almost wonder if this production figures, okay, we'll throw, like, in terms of the prop department, okay, we'll get a couple uh, machine guns, a couple machine gun props, and we'll get some commando vests that we'll have the, uh, that we'll have the villains wear, and then a few walkie-talkies. And that constitutes action. And it's like, just because the characters are wearing these things and carrying these things and walking down hallways and looking tough, that doesn't necessarily, I mean, you can, you can talk the talk, but I mean, you walk in the walk is something different to, to give an old, uh, an, an old analogy. But you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, just because you have these, these elements in your film does not make it necessarily a, uh, a full on action movie. And if you want to call it that, fine, but it's going to be very boring. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that is part of the problem. Cause it, you know, they, they almost, it's like they're set up to aspire to be a better movie than it is, but it feels like there was no willingness to go there. And I yeah. don't know if that's true. Because maybe maybe it's completely hamstrung by its budget, but it really feels honestly uh, quite lazy. You, yeah. you know, down to just just random things. Looking at like the, there's a security, a whole security guy, um, like a, like subplot where they have this uh, safe room, which is but it's just like behind two doors, but they make it out like it's bigger than it is. And <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. Uh, but it's like, just take a little time, but man, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't know why you would 
bother if there's not a willingness to, to take risks and do things and they, they just don't do it. This is exactly a uh, play it safe, do the bare minimum type movie that uh, people warn you about when they talk about B movies. They're just, there's nothing to the, a lot of them. And this is kind of one of the worst offenders in that, that regard, even though I will say, I think actually several of the actors are are doing good work. You know, it's not stellar work. It's not blowing your mind or anything, but I think Scout, Taylor Compton is pretty good in it. Um, I think Luke Wilson is fine. You know, they're, they're solid performances, but there's not anything to, to warrant uh, anybody, like, checking this out. Like, you would never recommend this to anybody based on anything in it. No. Well, it's it's just, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's just a very um, sad state of affairs that, unfortunately, we can't do anything about it. I mean, this, this is the, the state of the market. But, I mean, back in the uh, back in the early, uh, even the mid-2000s or whatever, okay, these films, when we had the blockbusters and uh, the, the Hollywood video and those rental stores, okay, you know, these, these actors such as Dolph and... Uh, um, I think Bruce Willis, you know, when he started doing those direct-to-video things, there was still a rental market. But what would happen is, okay, yeah, the the, the production would pay for the star's salary, but then the, the star would get a little bit more on the back end from rentals and things of that nature. They would be on the promotion train to kind of, you know, help promote the thing. This almost feels like Luke Wilson, Dolph Lundgren, okay, those are the two biggest names in this film. They pretty much got their check up front, they cashed it, and as soon as the project was done, it was it was it was in their rearview mirror, man. And yeah. they didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's so true. It, it's such a bummer. Um, it really, yeah. And you just feel it. To be honest, you just feel it. This whole movie that that's the exact right way to put it. They, they, you know, I got paid. Whatever. That's that's exactly how this feels. Yeah, it's a job, you know. Um, Well, I mean, if we look at the end, you already you already brought it up. I'm so glad you did because that was my other frustration with the film. Is if we look at the end, so um, Cal is able to reunite with Brooke, and so Cal, Anders, and Brad they square off against Axel, and they're able to shoot him dead. And then the film ends with a hilarious line from Dolph, where he states, uh, uh, "Next time, just don't invite me to the wedding." And then the film just fades out. And and it's frustrating because you're thinking like, okay, this film, it's it's about a wedding. Okay, so wouldn't, wouldn't it make the most sense that this film would end with the wedding? Okay, that this yeah. film would end with Cal and Brooke getting married and then you fade out? But it doesn't even want to give us that, man. It just fades out with them all just hugging. And so I guess we're to assume, again, off screen, the wedding was able to happen, but we're not going to get to see it, I guess, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, where it, it's lazy. It's like they don't care enough about their own story. So, it, you know, ideally, even if you were being uh, low, if you wanted to clear a low bar, it would fade out, and then it would pop into, uh, let's say, like an open-air wedding. They're like, no, we're doing this outdoors. We're on a beach somewhere. They're getting married, mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not confining themselves to a space again. Something, you know, some kind of in-joke for every character and, uh, you know, and then end on a freeze frame or something where everyone's happy. 
but they, you know, maybe Dolph's got the, his tattooed penis chick there, you know, just, just something. <laughs> They're just like, no, it's over. Uh, if you're still here, you know, good for you. Uh, we're fading out. We're done. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And it is, uh, it's sad. Well, if anything, I mean, that, that's the other thing, too, is if anything, okay, if they didn't want to spring for another set or if they didn't want to spring for another day of shooting, fine. But don't you think, wouldn't that have been a good opportunity to do something like Hangover? Remember how the Hangover ended where over the credits um, it, was, it was flashing a bunch of, like, Polaroid photos, you know? So couldn't yeah, they have yeah, done yeah. that even? I mean, I'm not expecting much, but couldn't they have just been flashing a bunch of photos of the wedding that they could have you know, shot over the course of an hour and then been playing and, you know, showing those over the credits to at least give us, you know, some kind of finality that, okay, the wedding did happen. Right. Like, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the, you know, the, in the hangover, the, the attitude is, you know, this was a great time, right. And here's some other great stuff that happened that we didn't get to show you. Nobody in this movie is having a good time there. This is, as you say, <laughs> it's a, and it's a wedding. Shouldn't you so, be having you know fun what, at a wedding? <laughs> I, you know what? I would have been fine with watching every one of these actors going to the bank and depositing that check. I would have preferred <laughs> that ending. That that actually, I think I would twist what you say, and it would just be footage of them cashing their checks. And I would and actually... Then, and then, yeah, and then turning around, looking at the camera, and then winking at us, freeze-framing. <laughs> <laughs> I would have accepted that ending because as it stands, I'm like, ah, yeah, exactly. Whoever's editing this is like, ah, it's over, whatever. I would have been right there with whoever edited it if it was, uh, yeah, okay, you got us. You got me. I watched it. I paid for this. Fair enough. I'll watch you cash the check. But no, they're just, they just don't care. And it is, uh, it feels like a sham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, we've we've danced around it. We've talked about the um, negatives of this film. Sadly, I don't think there were really any positives. But I'm curious, Brenton, um, it's been a while, but uh, you know how I like to do things. I like to do two recommends, one as a Dolph Lundgren vehicle and one as a film in general. I can probably guess where you're going to be on this one because I'm right there with you. But uh, what do you think? Why? Actually, better yet, why does this film not get a recommend from you? How about that? Uh, it, it it's just lazy. It's so bottom of the barrel. And, and I am a guy that I like my low budget movies. I like them. This is, this is what they warn you about. You know, don't watch this kind of stuff cause it's crap. And this is, this is just one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say no on the filmic level as far as Dolph goes. No, uh, I feel bad. That uh, that he's part of it because because normally I could just I would just say blanket yeah I wouldn't even bring it up to people because it's almost bad enough to be uh, embarrassed that I watched it but not quite it's not like it's not flat slags yeah but it's uh you know it's bad it's he's not in the movie um so I would just say no. I would say there there is, um, and I can't remember how far in the movie this is. There was a, this interesting moment, like an hour in the movie, where um, Brendan Fair and Scout are they walk 
they, they or they're overlooking where the wedding reception or the wedding was, and then they look down and there and everything's just covered in blood. Mm-hmm. That one shot almost makes the movie interesting because I think I was like, "That's interesting." You know, they show the carnage of the situation, and I kind of want to go back because there was part of me that wondered if that entire shot wasn't a Photoshop. But, Ooh, now you got me wondering. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but it, it really stood out to me. There's the one thing in this movie that stood out was that one shot. I'm sure you remember because it really stands out. Yeah, no, you're right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> as far as, uh, as far as recommending it, I'm gonna just I'm gonna recommend people stay away from it. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? I didn't even really think about this <clears throat> until you were just giving your recommend. But you know, three and a half, four years ago or so, when uh, you and I were discussing Agent Red, yeah, I remember that conversation, and it was so much fun because oh, yeah. the film the film was so bad, but we had so much fun watching it. This is a different kind of bad to where, and it's really weird saying this, but it's not even fun to watch. You know what no. I mean? That, that's what's so telling about it. You know what I mean? Is Agent Red, that was one that, yeah, we cracked open a couple beers and we were, we were giggling, we were laughing about it. And then this one, it's just like, it's, it's working with like the same type of production values, but it doesn't even have those, uh, those, those same kind of guffaws that Agent Red well, did, you know what I mean? The other thing about, like, you know, that kind of movie where I th- I really feel like they thought they were making a good movie. And for some reason, when a movie is bad, the, the a person think, believes is great, for some reason, those movies stand up and they're, and they're, right. they're fun. There's something about them that's that's fun because there's a passion behind the badness. Uh, Agent Red, it's like at least Dolph and at least I think I, I'm guessing the director. They thought they were making something that was still pretty cool, still pretty badass, and this is completely given up. These people making this movie, nobody here cares. And that really, you feel it when you're watching it. You just feel the lack of passion in there. And it's such a bummer to watch. Yeah. Well, with regard to my recommend, um, thank you for all of that. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, looking at a film like this, it's, it's difficult. Okay? And I've said this on the show numerous times. But, yeah, this is the current state of action cinema. So when you're going into one of these films, you almost kind of have to be oddly on board with it. And, you know, if, if you're not, then it's kind of like, well, don't waste your time. You know what I mean? Um, I realize and I respect that getting these films even made and released is a miracle in and of itself. But in my opinion, again, to throw out another, um, another analogy, okay, you just can't make chicken salad with moldy chicken. Uh, that's the way <laughs> I mean. I mean, yes, the, the trailer may fool you. But chances are, despite the promise of gunfire and potentially exciting action sequences, these films just simply can't afford it. So like many of the films of this nature, what you're getting are the same things that we've 
been seeing time and time again. Lots and lots of senseless, random gunfire, uh, characters running down hallways, the bad guys radioing back to one another, and just tons of silly, inane conversations. Um, luckily with this film, you get the added perk of Dolph Lundgren alongside Luke Wilson, of all people. So if that piques your interest and excites you any, then you have that going for you. But even then, they're even just not together uh, on screen enough other than those two scenes. I think with this film, what's really interesting about this one is with this film, it's very apparent. Dolph was paid, okay, his, his asking fee, which I don't know what it is, but it's it would make me sad just hearing it, okay? But with this film, Dolph was paid to basically <laughs> sit at a bar for a few hours of filming and then strut around with a machine gun for about a day. I mean, that is that is all he does in this film. It's also on record, like I said earlier, that this film was shot in just 10 days. So, yeah, it's it's very hard to recommend something where it's clear that the stars on screen really weren't that invested either. Okay, so if this is something that you feel you need to see, then by all means, check it out. But sadly, if it wasn't for our conversation, I mean, th- this is a hard pass, man. I mean, and, it, and it's so sad to say that. Yeah, but uh, did you say 10 days? 10 days. Yeah, that explains about 98% of what you see on the screen. (laughs) There's no time to come up with interesting action in 10 days. It's all post. Well, there is, um, I guess we can say there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, Dolph has two movies coming out that I wanted to get your take on. Um, The first is Wanted Man, which he wrote, directed, and stars in. Um, That one is slated to be released here um, in the next year, um, he's co-starring with Kelsey Grammer in that one. And then the trailer, as of this recording, the trailer was just dropped a couple weeks ago. We have The Expendables 4 that is coming out um, in September, September 22nd. I'll I'll do your hot take on that real quick because um, I have a few feelings myself. But um, what, what are your thoughts on Expendables 4? Are you excited? It seems like even from the diehard fans, it seems like the – the excitement for this one is just really, really lukewarm to where no one cares anymore. Are you in that same kind of camp? Or are you pretty stoked? Uh, I, I guess I, I understand it. It's sort of, for me, it's more of a, you know, wait and see aspect because I understand the uh, that Stallone basically is handing it over to Statham, the series. And I'm interested to see what Statham wants to do with it. Um, weirdly, that first trailer was built on uh, a lot of Megan Fox Statham stuff, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it, to me is odd, but I'm okay. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll see what they can do. Uh, if it's awesome, it's awesome. But if it's not, then, you know, Statham's got his fair share of stinkers as well. So, you know, it's a bummer if that's the way the series goes. But if not, um, I hope it's great. You know, you got eco-wise and Tony John in there. And that really does excite me. I, I want to see what uh, Statham does with them. So I'm, I am pretty interested, but I am definitely uh, skeptical because it yeah. feels like this movie's taken years to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really interesting how, the excitement and just the, you know, can you believe that this film is actually happening? All of that that was uh, generated from about 2008 to about 2010 to now that we're getting a fourth one, it's kind of like, 
eh, I think a lot of people are shrugging their shoulders. I will, of course, see it because I think Dolph has a fun look in the film. I'm looking forward to that. The but, long um, hair and stuff. Yeah, and I yeah, it it, it should be interesting. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll we'll definitely have to get to your uh, your opinions when uh, when that comes out in September. It is interesting. Uh, you know, the, the part of so I actually I'm one of the people that I, I liked the first Expendables a lot more than I think a lot of the people did. But Expendables 2 clearly did what a lot of people wanted Expendables 1 to do, which was really just mm-hmm. bring in all these, you know, heavy hitters and have them do stuff. And that now that that, um, that light has faded, that's that, that was done. You know, in Expendables 3, they, they kind of tried to go with the New Bloods thing in there and that not really, really what people wanted to do. So we'll see what a a legacy cast member now. You know, it's weird to say legacy because you know we're three movies in. Well, I guess four now, but we'll see what 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 they can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. It, it's to me, it's interesting to see what Statham can do with a series. I think that Dolph, if he, you know, I think he's basically going to be a glorified cameo, not. Uh, dissimilar to what Mickey Rourke did in the first one. I think that's probably Dolph in this one. So, uh, as far as that goes, I don't know. But I, I am interested. I don't know. I, all yeah. I can say is that it, I, I understand the skepticism, but there is enough of a pedigree still there that they could do something really cool. Yeah. No, I think that no, there's I mean, a lot of possibility well and i mean let's face it after watching a film like this one which we just discussed i mean to to go into a film like the expendables which judging from the trailer has actual real action in it and explosions and multiple set pieces i think that it's going to be a uh a pretty welcome treat uh (laughs) yeah to get to see that so i you know the other the other part of this this whole thing they were doing here that's that's weird is I just watched uh, Expendables 2 the other day. Or not Expendables, sorry, Extraction 2 the other day. And, and that movie just blows away anything that's out there right now. It's just, it's so, the, the action is very well done. You know, there's no, there's basically no story. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's really well done action, uh, even though it's um it, it, it's like fake one takes and stuff, but it's still really cool to watch. Yeah. I still need to see that. I still need to see that. Oh, Maybe, you, you got to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brenton, this has been really, this has been a ton of fun. I mean, it always is. Um, I yeah, wish, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish that we could have uh, uh, reunited over um, better circumstances, but you know what? In the end, it's still always fun talking with you, cracking open a beverage and, um, uh, yeah. So even, even if it's a terrible film, I still have a ton of fun, um, chatting these with you before I let you go. Is there anything that you want to give a, a shout out to plug or mention? Oh, no, no, Come check out, uh, AOBG.com, man. Uh, all out of bubblegum.com. Uh, we got all kinds of things going on. Tons of kill counts still going strong. Uh, lately our, uh, John Wick four has been picking up a lot of traction. So, uh, come check it out. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, till next time, we'll definitely, uh, we'll have you back, but uh, to everyone out there who is listening, please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews and we'll see you all next time. I must break this podcast. Mm-hmm.